0: Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Oh. Not Liz. <laughs> the bag. Oh, so you're okay. Sorry. Well, if you're new. If you're new it's the bag. We don't have any new people in the service today. But if you're online, let us know. lifemohammed.org. Um, I would honestly I'd love to deliver our little bag of goodies to your home. I'll just drop it at your doorstep. Um, so if you want, you can go to lifemohammedorg connect. We'll get that to you. And uh, so Liz was supposed to teach today, and uh, let's see, Friday night she got cough, all this stuff. She already had COVID like two weeks ago, so um, this time it's bronchitis, which is not a fun time. So we think she, she went out running right after COVID. She loves to run. She's dedicated to that. She's training for a marathon again. She went out to run in the cold, and we think that just brought it all back up, so... Um, keep praying for her. It's not fun to have COVID and then bronchitis back to back. So keep listening to your prayers. We, we were in this series and we still are in this series, um, called family, but we're going to take a break from that. And I went into the, the Dan Powell way back machine and tried to find an old sermon that I haven't done here yet. And so this one, um, is, I think it's my second sermon ever. I'm not sure. Um, so I, so I pulled it out. We're going to do it today. And uh, I think as I was reading it, I know that this was a sermon for me. Like, I'm going to tell you all about it, but it, like it's to my heart as well. And so if you don't know, I'm, I'm a huge hypocrite. I stand up here and I, I tell you things from God, and I don't do them. Um, I gave this four years ago, and I'm, I'm still having struggles with this stuff. So um, I'll be the first to tell you I'm a hypocrite. Um, But what I tell you today, I believe is from the Lord to all of us. I'm not just preaching up here to you. It's also to me. Um, So give me grace for that as well. And um, this, this sermon comes from the idea of God's open doors. I feel like oftentimes we have these seasons in our lives, well every day really, where God opens doors for us to go through, to say yes to him, to follow him in something. There's these opportunities. It's oftentimes an adventure, uh, most often a risk. It's not an easy thing Um, but it is promised that when we follow God through these open doors, we get to live life to the fullest, life to how uh, God meant it to be. And so we want to be open door people. We want to be a people that's willing to follow God through his open doors, whether it's a big door to go be a missionary overseas or the little door Uh, That says, hey, go talk to that person in the grocery store. Uh, Pray for your child today. You know, one of those small doors. We want to follow God through those doors, no matter the cost. So, as we look through the Bible, almost every time God opens a door for someone and asks them to go through, there's this kind of tug of war with God and the person. More with the person inside of themselves. There's like a resistance an excuse, a questioning, there's a decision. And if you look kind of through the Bible at some of these stories, you can see people struggle through these. One of these examples is Moses. As God um, tells him, he's like, hey, Moses, I got great news for you. You are going to free your people, the Israelites, from slavery and oppression. Isn't that great news? And Moses is like, no, I don't want to do that he says, I'm not respected enough. And God says, I'll be with you. It's all right. He says, they they won't believe me. And he says, I'll I'll do miracles for you so they will believe you. He says, I'm not a good speaker, God. he says, I'll give you the words. So there's this tug of war and at the end, Moses says yes. So like Moses, we've got to choose to walk through these open doors and accept God's adventure or we look at the open door and we walk away. And we say, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not into that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go on that adventure. I want to make my own path. And so the Bible is filled with these stories. But perhaps the most colorful one that I, I really enjoy is a story of Jonah. Remember Jonah and the whale or the big fish, as we'll see. Um, and so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to go through the entire book of Jonah in just about 30 minutes here. And so if you guys have your Bible with, Bibles with you, you can open to Jonah. It's, it's a really small book, so you might have to use your concordance. Is that right? That's not right. Index? Whatever it is. Uh, you know, Or on your device, search Jonah. Um, and today, I'm just going to read through the book real quick. It's only four chapters, so I'm just going to read the whole book. And this is from a, a different translation that you might not have heard of. It's called the Dr. Suez Translation, and so let me read it for you could you would you go to preach could you would you go to reach the people of assyria for you fit my criteria and jonah says to the lord i would not go there in a boat i would not go there in a float i would not go there in a gale i will not go there in a whale i do not like the people there if they all died i would not care i will not go to that great town i'd rather choke i'd rather drown I will not go by land or sea. So stop this talk and leave me be. Did you guys think we were really going to read through the whole book? We'd be here for a little bit. Um, That's the Dr. Seuss translation. I just figured that out. Not Sue as... um, I did not write that. Somebody else more creative than me came up with that. Now, Jonah, he's a great example of how not to follow God's calling. By looking at his example... We find instructions for our own lives in how we can follow God through his open doors. And we can see through Jonah's humanity, our own humanity, and what might hold us back in going through God's open doors for us. So there's three things today that we're going to learn from Jonah. The first thing that we can learn from Jonah is that our sense of guilt or inadequacy does not disqualify us from going through God's doors. Our sense of guilt or inadequacy does not disqualify us from going through God's doors. In chapter 1, God tells Jonah to go preach to Nineveh. And Jonah says, no, I'm not doing that. Actually, you know, he doesn't say anything at all. He, um, he, he, you remember that struggle that Moses goes through, like, back and forth with God? Well, Jonah doesn't even do that. He just turns his back on God and, like, goes to Joppa, a port city, and he says, I, I don't want to do that. So he doesn't even talk to God about it. He's not open at all to what God has for him. And so he goes down to this port city named Joppa to buy the, buy the furthest ticket away from Nineveh that he can buy. Um, and so it's this place called Tarshish. Now, Tarshish is far away. So if you've got uh, Israel, it's like, we'll start over here. Israel is like right here. Uh Joppa is a port city in Israel. It's like right here. that's where you get on your ship and go to Greece and stuff and and then Tarshish, Tarshish is way over there. It's like Greece is here and you got Italy over here and Tarshish is like way over here, way off camera if you're online, sorry, I'm leaving you um, is way over there. like you it's on the it's more towards Spain and Portugal. It's over in that region. and so, Jonah says, I'm not doing it. I'm getting as far away as I can. And so God sends this huge storm to keep Jonah from running. You can read that in uh, chapter 1, 4. A lot of of today I'm going to kind of paraphrase some things. I'll read directly from Scripture, and then I'll also give you the verses where you can find those. So follow along with me. And so in the midst of this giant storm, all the other sailors that are on there, they're praying to their own gods. And they're throwing cargo overboard to try and save their ship. And what's Jonah doing? He's taking a nap. (laughs) He is not aware of this at all. He's sleeping. And so this captain of the ship, he wakes Jonah up. This is in 1-6. And he says, Jonah, how can you be sleeping? Pray to your God to save us. Well, eventually, Jonah, he tells them what's going on. He tells them that he worships the God whose name is Yahweh, who made the land and the sea. And just a side note, just like you and I have a name, my name's Dan, and that's Mary, and that's Ryan, we, we all have names. God has a name, and his name is Yahweh. And when you see those uh, letters, capital L, capital O, R, D, in the Old Testament, you can read that as Yahweh. And so I'm going to do some of that as we... Uh, read through the scripture here. So Jonah goes on to tell them what he's done, why he's running from God, and how the storm is all his fault. And so naturally, the sailors ask in one eleven, they say, what should we do then to make the sea calm down for us? And Jonah responds, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. For Jonah, in this moment, if you put yourself in his position, his story is over. His life is over. He thinks it's done. His logic goes something like this. I, I disobeyed God. God is angry, and rightfully so. He wants to punish me. My life is over, and I accept my consequences. Throw me into the ocean to die. That's where Jonah is in his mental state right now. Jonah's sense of guilt And inadequacy made him feel unqualified for the job. He thought his sin disqualified him from preaching God's word to the Ninevites. And so God was done with him. But God, he's at work in ways that Jonah can't even dream of. God's plans are so far beyond Jonah that he can't even fathom them. He can't think of another solution. And so the sailors... They don't just pick up Jonah and throw him overboard. They don't say, oh, okay, get out of here. You're overboard. First, they try to row back to land with the idea that they can just drop him off on land and they'll be good to go. But the storm gets even worse. And so they have a prayer meeting. You see that in in, uh, Jonah 1.14. They have a little prayer meeting. They cried out. This is the sailors who had just learned about Yahweh. They cried out to Yahweh, "Please Yahweh, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for the killing of an innocent man, for you, Yahweh, have done as you pleased. They call on the God of Israel three times, just a few verses before they were crying to their own gods, but after seeing the power of Jonah's God, they say, "This, this is the real God." So they pick Jonah up. And they reluctantly throw him over the edge. And the storm engulfed Jonah. And then all of a sudden, there's peace. There's calm. The waves stop. The lightning stops. The wind dies down. They were safe. They were saved. And this boat who had never heard of Yahweh until this moment becomes a place of worship. It might as well have been a temple in Jerusalem. The way that they were worshiping God. They offered him a sacrifice. They they made vows to him. Isn't that kind of neat? That's really neat how God is working even as Jonah is disobeying, turning his back on God. God is still using him as a way to get across his message. So back to Jonah. He's now been thrown off the ship into the raging sea. And he's got to accept, probably in his mind, that he's going to drown as a result of disobedience. But what if he forgets is that God isn't a vengeful God. That's not his first choice. God is a God of mercy. And spoiler alert, when Jonah does go to Nineveh and tells them about God, God shows the Ninevites Mercy. He shows them grace. And so even before Jonah repents, God saves him by sending this great fish to keep him from death. You see, when we mess up, when we turn our backs on God, when we sin, it doesn't mean that the doors that were once open to us are now closed. I get the image that God is kind of carrying around, as you'll see here, uh, carrying around this open door for Jonah wherever he goes. Like, Jonah is running from God. And you can't run from God, but um, he thinks he can. And so God has this door that he's just carrying around, putting in front of Jonah. Like, hey, here, you want to go through now? Oh, okay, you're running away over here. Okay, you want to go through now? This is open door for you. You can still go through. You've said no to me. You've turned your back on me. Here's an open door. You can still do what I'm calling you to do. So we can learn that our sense of guilt or inadequacy does not disqualify us from going through God's open doors. The second thing we can learn from Jonah is that we miss doors when we miss prayer. We miss doors when we miss prayer. If you look at the story of Jonah, there's this word that's associated with God and there's a word that's associated with Jonah. And Jonah, the book of Jonah, is actually a poem. Um, It's a Hebrew chiasm. And so what that means is that there is the first passage relates directly to the last passage in the book. And the second passage relates to the second to last passage. And so there's also these other poetic things that are happening that we, in our English language, totally miss out on, not understand the culture. We can dive into that another time. But for this one, the word that's associated with God is the word great. He commands Jonah to go to a great city. He sends a great wind and it produces a great storm. The sailors feared God with a great fear. Then he creates and sends a great fish to rescue Jonah. But for Jonah, the word is down. The word for this down word for the Israelites would be associated with despair and an absence of God. And so Jonah went down to Joppa, running from God, away from God. He went down into the ship where he lays down to sleep, not listening to God, not paying attention to God. Then he goes down to the bottom of the ocean. And in his own words, this is chapter 2, verse 5, he says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. You notice that up until this point, Jonah hasn't said one word to God. Not one. He waits until he's drowning at the bottom of the ocean and about to die by the hand of the ocean. And then he chooses to call out to God. He's waited until he's gotten to his absolute lowest point of despair to seek God. So why did Jonah wait until he was in the great fish to pray? I think as humans, we can all understand this. I think we always try and put these barriers between us and God and just like one more step away from God. Like I don't have to seek him totally. I can rely on something else. I can rely on my family. I can rely on my friends, my money, whatever it may be. It's easy to say no to God when we have something to put in between us and God. And that's what Jonah is doing here. He ran to Joppa, bought a one-way ticket. He asked to be thrown off of a ship, to be thrown overboard. He had no other choice but to call out to God no. He knew the door was there. He knew he was saying no. But I think sometimes, you know, we get busy. We get preoccupied. I'm sorry, he, he knew that. He knew the door was there. But for us, I think we can do something a little bit different, where we just get too busy and too preoccupied to even notice the door. We put all these busy things in front of us, all these other things that we rely on, and we completely miss God's door. I think we're just as guilty as Jonah. I can easily find myself in the same boat with a life that's void of prayer like Jonah. Maybe not for the same reasons as Jonah but the consequences are still the same. When my life lacks prayer I miss God's open door for me. I miss his call for me. Not just his big doors like, hey Dan, go be a pastor in Muhammad but his little doors like, hey Dan, get off your phone and go pray for your kid who's sick right now. You know, we miss those little doors when we're not paying attention to what God's doing. We can easily miss God's open doors when we're not people of prayer. It's impossible to see open doors if we aren't paying attention. And perhaps we're running from God, like Jonah, and we're too busy to even realize that we're running. Have you guys ever seen... um, I'm sure you have. There's these commercials. It seems like it's always for a different car. And it's usually an SUV. And I, I feel like I see it at least once a year. There's a new commercial that comes out. And it is this family going on this epic adventure in their brand new SUV. You know, they're hitting the dirt roads and they're plowing through snow. And they're in these like beautiful mountains. And, uh, you know, maybe they drive past a herd of elk or buffalo. There's these wildflowers out there. And then. Of course, they got to show you the inside of the car because it's, you know, it's decked out in leather and all the gizmos. And so they show you the inside of the car and the mom and dad are happily driving. And then the kids, they're in the back seat, headphones on, glued to the seat back TVs, right? And they are completely missing the adventure around them. The very reason that they're in the car, they are completely missing. You guys seen those commercials? And every time I see them, I'm like, ah, open your eyes. I don't live in the mountains. You're missing it. I want to see that. And I feel like that's what's happening here. That's what can happen to us. That we get so busy not focused on the adventure that God has for us, not asking him, hey, God, what adventure do you have for me? What open door do you have for me today? I want to take it that we miss the very purpose of our Christian life. So it wasn't until Jonah prayed that things started to happen for Jonah. This is in chapter 2, verse 6. Jonah prays, Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and, I, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Prayer is a critical part of seeing God's open doors. When we don't have an attitude of prayer, In our daily lives, we will miss God's open doors, big and small. We must be aware of where God is working and aware we can work with him in our lives. And we do that through prayer. We miss doors when we miss prayer. The third thing that we can learn from the life of Jonah is that lack of love will keep us from entering doors. A lack of love will keep us from entering doors. God tells Jonah to go preach against Nineveh. For there, this is what God says, "For their evil has come before me." Something's off in God's world. God sees this evil and and he wants it to be gone. It's clear that rather than just wiping the Ninevites, Ninevites from the earth, he would rather have them turn from their wickedness. God prefers grace. God prefers forgiveness. God prefers restoration. He wants to make things right again. Jonah, on the other hand, he wants justice for the Ninevites. You see, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. They were the world power at the time, they inflicted much pain on all those around them, Uh, especially on Israel, their neighbors. At the time, uh, the 12 tribes of Judah, that, that was what made up Israel, they had been split up into two kingdoms, north and south. And Assyria had come and pretty much just wiped the north, the, the northern kingdom, um, off the face of the planet. I mean, they just completely wiped it out. They were not good people. Nahum, he's a prophet that uh, is one of Jonah's contemporaries. He, his book is two books after Jonah. And Nahum says this. This is kind of gruesome. Woe to the city of blood. The city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims, piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over corpses. This was Assyria. This was Nineveh. This is how they're described. And so Jonah is told to preach to his greatest enemy. His greatest oppressor. I can hear him saying, well, well, God, Nahum just got to condemn those guys from afar. Can't I just do the same? Like, hey guys, you're bad. Do better, right? But God says, no, you got to go there. Tell them. Not only was it dangerous to go there, but Jonah wants justice. And justice in this case is for the Ninevites to be gone. That's what justice is. They have wiped out other countries. And now it's time for them to be wiped out. That's what's in Jonah's heart. He wants justice for his family and his friends who've been brutalized by this country. And so, while he accepts God's calling, he does it with a hard heart and lack of love. But Yahweh's love is great. Yahweh's love is boundless. His love is not confined to Israel or just one group of people. His love is vast, his heart is kind, his hand is merciful. The following verse is all over the Bible. It appears in many different places, but one of the first places it appears is in Exodus. It says this, Yahweh, God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Jonah ended up going to Nineveh and preaching to them in chapter 3. But when he realized that the city was repenting, that they decided to turn from their evil, and worse yet, that God wasn't going to punish them, he became bitter. Even after such a beautiful prayer in chapter 2, He doesn't want to continue on God's adventure. Jonah had accomplished God's mission for him. The city turned from their evil ways and turned to a life with God. But Jonah didn't like it. His lack of love for the people is so great that it's causing him to back out of the door that he entered in, in chapters 2 and 3. He's like, no, I don't want this anymore. And so you read in chapter 4, verse 1, that Jonah has learned that God has chosen to be merciful and relent of the disaster that Nineveh deserved. And the text says that Jonah was exceedingly displeased. Many of you have a footnote in your Bible that says this can be translated as it was exceedingly evil to Jonah. There was an injustice here for Jonah. He saw what the Ninevites had done to Israel and he wanted them to be punished for it no matter the cost. Jonah is finding out that open doors aren't always fun. They aren't always what we want them to be. And almost always there's something greater about them than our own benefit. It's not about us. We grow from that, yes, going through these open doors, but oftentimes it is for the benefit of others. And then Jonah reveals what he's known this whole time. I think this is kind of a beautiful passage in a, in a different kind of beauty. This is 4: two. Jonah says, "O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country that?" That is why I went to Tarshish as fast as I could, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He says, I knew it. And then he says this, So if you're not going to punish these people, then just kill me. Like that's where his heart, that's how hard his heart is. He's he's in that kind of place. Jonah doesn't want to live on a planet where people like that get mercy, get God's grace. And God simply says in the next verse, 4-4, are you right to be angry? And in typical Jonah fashion, he says nothing and just walks away into the desert. And God lets him go out into the desert and Jonah dies and it's over. Just kidding. That's a joke. That's not where it ends. That's not where it ends. Because remember, this is Yahweh, the God of abounding, steadfast love. So God comes up with this new plan to show Jonah. like He's not done with Jonah yet. He's accomplished God's mission of of preaching to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites have turned to God. But God's not done with Jonah. So he comes up with this new plan to show Jonah what it's like to live a life full of love and grace and compassion. You know, because apparently Jonah hasn't had enough of that yet. And so Jonah is out there in the desert. uh, Chapter 4, verse 5 says why he's out in the desert. It says, so he could see what would become of the city. It's like he's sitting out there like, oh, maybe like God will still like rain some fire down on him or something. Like, and I'll just watch out here. Like, it's still like he's got some hope. I don't know that for sure. But that's kind of what I see in the humor of the scripture is maybe, maybe God will still punish them. And I can, I can witness that. Let me summarize the next few verses. Jonah goes out in the desert. He builds a crude shelter for himself, but wasn't quite cutting it. And so God made a plant with big shady leaves grow over Jonah. And Jonah's really happy about it. Uh, It says he was exceedingly glad. Remember last time we saw the word exceedingly? He was exceedingly mad. So now he's exceedingly glad that he's got this plant. But then the next day a worm came and ate the plant, chopped it down, and it died. So again, Jonah loses it. <laughs> He's back to being mad and angry. And so God asks again in 4.9, are you right to be angry? <clears throat> and this time Jonah responds. And he says, yes, I'm so angry I want to die. He's back to that. He's just mad <clears throat> that God took his plant away from him. So God responds with this. This is uh, 4.9 four ten, maybe I don't have it written down. He says, What is he said, and what's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted it nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong. Not to mention all the innocent animals. I like, I like the innocent animals at the end. Like, I, I feel like it's kind of funny, but at the same time, I think it's God's love and compassion for these people is so great. It like overflows onto their animals and their pets and their, their livestock as well, you know? And then, this time for real, the story ends. It's over right there. God has the last word. We don't get a conclusion. I I feel like I I, want to look at, like, where's Jonah chapter 5? Like, where's the the rest of the story? But it's not there. And I think that's intentional. That the writer of Jonah wants us to have some unrest and an unfinished story. He wants us to think about this story a little bit more. And I think for two reasons. that The story represents a much bigger story than just a narrative of Jonah and the Ninevites. It's a story of how big God's love is for humanity. It's a parallel of humanity as a whole. Our past, our present, our future. That there have and always will be people that live godlessly like the Ninevites. And there's going to be people that run from God like Jonah did. And there's going to be people that are clueless about God, like the sailors. But Yahweh's loving pursuit of them never changes. And second, the second reason I think the story is left undone is that there's an invitation to continue Jonah's story. We don't know what Jonah does in the end. We don't know how he responds to God after that. But we have been invited just like Jonah, to run through God's open doors in our lives. These open doors that lead to a life of love for others, mercy for others, kindness for others, and bring his kingdom of peace to others in our lives. It doesn't matter if you're a Ninevite and you've lived a life of hurting others. It doesn't matter if you're a sailor and have never heard of Jesus before. It doesn't matter if you're Jonah who's grown up knowing God, but in this last season you've just been running from him, turning your back on him. He pursues you with an open invitation to run through his door and have life to the fullest with him. In John 10.10, Jesus says that he has come so we may have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus offers us an open door right here. Like, come live with me. And you can have life as it's meant to be. Life to the fullest. And So as we close today, I want you to remember these three things. A lack of love will keep us from entering doors. We miss doors when we don't don't pray. We miss doors when we miss prayer. And our sense of guilt or inadequacy does not disqualify us from going through God's doors. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for pursuing us with love. We thank you for not giving up on us, even though we turn our backs on you time after time, after time, after time, after time, after time. You still reach out to us. You still pursue us Even like Jonah, after he's preached, like you're still pursuing him. And you do the same for us. And so we praise you for that. We don't deserve that. We thank you for keeping your covenant with us. Your promises to us, even when we break ours. Jesus, teach us how to love like you do. Teach us how to have compassion like you do. Keep us in prayer. Teach us to live a life of prayer with you so that we don't miss your open doors. We want, we, we genuinely want, even though sometimes we say no to them, we genuinely want your open doors. We want you to show us your doors. And we want to just run and jump through them for whatever adventure you have for us, even if it is a little bit risky, even if it is a little bit painful. We know that you are for us and you love us. Jesus, we love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemuhammad.org. lifemuhammad.org.